If you've ever wondered how to take a side hustle and turn it into multiple millions of dollars, probably one of the best personal brands around the sneaker culture, DJ Sneakerhead. I sell the shoes that are, you know, 40, 50, sometimes $80,000 sneakers. That is business 101. Can you sell the thing you bought for for more than you bought it? Yeah, I didn't sold millions of dollars worth of shoes. I think about two years in of recording YouTube videos is when I really like truly unlocked being way more comfortable on camera. Two years after posting videos on YouTube, bro, people quit after three uploads. How would you encourage like an entrepreneur who's thinking about starting to create content? They don't even know where to start as far as like posting, like what the heck do I post? What would you say generally speaking? So I think you have to understand. Welcome to the department with Omar Altakori, where we interview people who are killing it in their department. And if you've ever wondered how to take a side hustle and turn it into multiple millions of dollars, I'm so excited to get into this conversation with DJ Willingham, other known as DJ Sneakerhead Online, who has probably one of the best personal brands around the sneaker culture, which I resonate with because I, I would say I'm a sneakerhead. I just don't have a ton of sneakers anymore. You're a sneakerhead. I've kind of dialed it in. You're always a sneakerhead. Okay, yeah, and I, and I wore my only one Jordan that I have. I love to see it. Um, but you've been able to turn a passion into a full-blown business and then what you've been able to take to start building wealth with that passion. And I just love your story. Um, so I'm so excited to get into this conversation. Thanks for being on the department. Man, I appreciate it, bro. I'm excited too because you helped me a lot along the journey. So I'm going to be giving you your flowers at the same time. So. <laughs> yeah. The sneaker department uh, is another title for this. But uh, how how have you been able, because we were just right before we turned on the cameras and the, and the mics, how have you been able to confidently say I've made a million dollars reselling sneakers? So I sell the shoes that are, you know, 40, 50, sometimes $80,000 sneakers for like a pair of shoes. So it can add up really one quick. One pair of shoes one that pair. is that much. Yeah. Give I, me like the, what are, like what, give me three pairs that are like, like uh, people love like the Travis Scott friends and families or yeah, like the right. so-and-sos, like a lot of player editions or like made for special artists or something like that. I'm a collector of those things. And I got into collecting and stuff. And sometimes you run across things that are not your size. So you're like, oh, I can still make money. I can use the profit to buy my own shoe for myself. And then next thing you know, you're like, I'm kind of in this because I'm known for it. You just like build your own lane. And then next thing you know, you're like, oh, after all these years, because I've been doing it for over 15 years now with sneakers. And because of that, next thing I'm like, I guess, yeah, I didn't sold millions of dollars worth of shoes yeah, without a bat of an eye because it's just a part of my lifestyle now. That's so cool. And I mean, for the record, I would say I knew I had maybe the entrepreneur bug because in high school, I demanded like the there's a, a story in Luke 15 in the Bible where this uh, prodigal son demands his inheritance from his father. Mm -hmm. And that's you don't do that. You know, you wait till it's time for you to get it. But I like demanded my life savings from my mom in high school. It was thirty six hundred bucks. And I used it Ooh. all to buy like literally right away. I went on Nike talk. Or uh, was it Nike Talk? Nike Talk, Soul yeah. Collector, all that stuff. Back all the there. blogs. Oh, dude. so you're an OG, oh, then. I'm a, bro. I'm OG, bro. Okay, you're not and, just a sneakerhead. You're an OG. And I quickly, you know, built a collection. But the power of buying and reselling shoes, even like you know, buy at retail, it's like that is business 101. Mm -hmm. Is can you sell the thing you bought for for more than you bought it? Mm -hmm. And uh, it, and that's how I knew I was like, oh, there's something here. And I just enjoyed that that equation. You know, I could buy something. So yeah. But you're saying you've been able to probably speed that up because now we're experiencing a time where you can buy a shoe for $20,000 right. and sell it potentially for thirty five. Right. Yeah, which is 
which is insane to think that like made in China, this is my issue mm-hmm. is like, and Virgil messed it up for me. Okay. Because when he dropped the top 10 joint, uh-huh. I was like, dang, these are the most expensive resold shoes I've ever seen personally. This is 2017. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they're all made in China. Mm-hmm. And then I start because I start buying high end stuff a little bit. And I'm like, dude, made in Italy, handmade right. goods. And it's like, who's to say the value? Mm-hmm. And this is where I've like landed on like, dude, you get to decide the value, you know, and well, the market gets to decide the value. I mean, I think too, like material items in general to me are all material items. Mm. We decide the value on everything. We want the Rolex. We want the car. We want the shoes. We want the this to that. Like we we put these prices on it. And it's like the market, the people kind of decide that because there can be expensive. There's a lot of expensive brands that people don't buy, that they don't hype up. Right. Mm-hmm. There's other expensive brands that like they go crazy over. Right. So it's not like just because it's expensive, like it means it's quality or all these things. Like there's a lot of other variables to it, too. So I see it as just like whatever you love and whatever you're passionate about, which me with sneakers, I'm like, I understand why it has this value. Because I could say baseball cards, like why people want to spend money on baseball cards. That's <laughs> right. stupid, right? When the baseball people could say the same thing to me about shoes. And I'm like, any material item, it's all the same. Art, like how do you justify that, right? Mm-hmm. Like you got a story behind it. That's about it. So I'm like, to me, I think it's cool. Like it's yeah. fine. So you started selling, what was like the primary platform you started reselling shoes on? Um, Man, when I first started, I was using like Craigslist yeah. at the time. And <laughs> this is so funny. It's like a nostalgic start, conversation. Yeah, I used Craigslist and then I had a Facebook Marketplace. Oh, it wasn't even Facebook Marketplace, I don't think, at the time. Yeah, it was just Facebook was groups. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, I had a Facebook group. I started my own. Dang. I was selling through there. Every thousand followers I got, I would give away a free pair of shoes and I was building up fast. That's got cool. like 5,000 followers like within a few months. And then we were like building up this community. And that's when I started building like my brand of like what the website I wanted it to be one day. So there was like ISS, Nike Talk and different stuff like that. So I would sell on those platforms too. But my goal was to like create my own shop. Because at that time it was like Flight Club and like Riff LA and a few stores. Like there wasn't like sneaker stores everywhere. Dude, I remember Flight Club's prices were so hiked up. Yeah. Like it was way well before what over whatever the market value was. And that was like the golden standard. Like if you're an entry level sneakerhead, you buy a shoe from there. And then that lets you know, like it's authentic, like all these different things. Like I I went to the store and got the experience, which is a part of like their brand. So I was like, oh, I want to do the same thing, but online. And one day I'll open a store when I get out of college. And it just kind of starts snowballing quick. And then I I dropped a website. I made it on myself, myself, like on Wix, like when it first launched, like way back. And Wix was like, it's developed a lot since, yeah. but back then my website was terrible, but I was processing orders and I was making yeah. it happen. But and you weren't paying that fee, that 10%, 15% uh-uh. fee. Uh-uh. Which, it was like a standard website. Like yeah. there wasn't even no backend. That's crazy. Like, yeah, it was way different. Um, okay. Is that sneaker store that you've been posting about? That's yours? That's my friend's store. Okay. I help with a lot of sneaker stores too, with getting inventory and helping with their branding on the back end too. Uh, just because I'm so passionate about it and I want to see my friends like be successful in their arena. And not only does it help them, it helps me in the long run because sure. if they get bigger, they got more resources, then if I need something, then I'm like, hey, what's up? I need to get a pair of shoes or whatever it may be. Have you ever asked yourself the question, Omar, how the heck does your videos look and sound so dang crispy? It's literally the number one question I get asked, whether it's privately in the DMs or people commenting on my videos on Instagram or even on YouTube. The reality is I believe the quality of videos that I've been able to produce has been the recipe to my success 
online. And I wanna give you access to my live document where I've listed out everything I use, both for the podcasts I create, to the YouTube videos I make, as well as to what I use for my smartphone to make it look and sound amazing. The reason I put it on a live doc is because I keep this document updated in real time with everything that I'm using. So just head over to the videodep.co forward slash crispy, or just click the link down in the show notes. Let's get back to the conversation. Okay. I, I think I know the answer to the question, but like, is it easy or hard to get a pair of limited shoes for you? For me, it's easy. Okay. I get too much stuff sent my way. Yeah. Like, I give away a lot of stuff. That's why you got like my mom, my wife, my dad, like they have crazy collections. My dad has a lot of samples and PEs and stuff in it. My wife. Uh, PEs is player exclusives, player, yeah, meaning player exclusive, they're literally maybe less thousand, than 10. Thousand plus dollars, yeah, like yeah. crazy expensive shoes. My dad be out there cutting the grass. I'm like, bro, what That's are you funny. doing? <laughs> but yeah, I, I get a lot of stuff sent my way, so I always I want to make sure that everybody's taken care of around me too. When, when did you go from it being like a side hustle of just buying and reselling to like, I don't need a job? Um, when I was, by the time I was a senior in high school, I was like making enough money to really be like, I don't even know if I want to go to college, but I really want to play football. So I was like, I'm going to college because that was my biggest priority was like to try to go to the NFL. Mm -hmm. And I was like, if anything, I'll just run a business on the back end. Plus, like the networking was great for like being an athlete. You meet a lot of people. And then when you meet a lot of people, it's easy to sell stuff because you know everybody. Right. So, um, yeah, by the time I was a senior in high school, I was like ready to do it. I was already getting ready to drop the website. I was making good money. I wore a brand new pair of shoes every day my senior year in high school. I never wore a used pair or the same pair twice. That would that be like 180 something days? Yeah. Jeez, that's <laughs> wild. What, what would make you want to do that? I don't know. People are like, "Man, you always got fresh shoes." It's like you should wear a new shoe. They're like, "How many shoes you got?" And I was like, "Oh, I don't know. I got a couple hundred pairs." And they're like, "You should wear a new pair every day." And then obviously, like shoes are coming out during that time too, so yeah. I get like the latest releases. I rock them. But I was getting like seven pairs of the new shoe that came out. So I'd be like, Damn. oh, yeah, I'll just rock one, keep one, sell the other one, and then sell the other five pairs. It's and cool because, like, you 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 tapped into that place where you now get to enjoy the hobby. It's not it's not costing you. It's paying you to enjoy this hobby. That's exactly what was the main reason. I was just doing it for that. And I was like, my original was like, oh, I'm going to get this big collection, and I'm going to sell it and buy a car. Mm -hmm. And then that was, like, a couple months. And my dad was like, "That's why you need to buy some real estate. What are you doing? And then I was like, okay. Because my dad bought a house when he was 20. My mom and dad did. So I was thinking like, oh, I need to buy a house when I'm 20. So I was preparing myself wow. to purchase a home at 20 years old. And then when I got to that point, I just didn't do the educational side of like learning how the loans work and all the different things and like taxes and all that stuff. So I was just like, I got a lot of cash. Like I'm 19 years old. I'm about to go buy a crib. And then it was like harder than I thought. So that kind of like put me in check. And I was like, okay, I need to learn more about real estate because I really want to master this. Because I saw that there was a lot of similarities between sneakers and real estate. Right. And a lot of people don't like to say it is, but really, to me, it is. It's just at a smaller scale. Yeah. Um, but if you do volume, it's almost the same. Yeah. Like, okay, there, I know we'll get to the real estate part because I think it's so cool that you tapped into that at a young age. And, and even like when I met you, I don't know, maybe four years ago, five years mm -hmm. ago, you were already on that journey, which is so tight. But um, when it comes to like the... Uh, the getting shoes that are limited, mm -hmm. I found it hard because it became all about the internet yeah, to do it. I yeah. used to, when I was buying limited sneakers, it was Saturday morning drops. You go Friday, you line up and you get, you know, 
you, you probably wait like six to eight hours mm-hmm. in that line. Then they give you a wristband and you're secured and you got your one pair. Yeah. But it's crazy because there's a lot of young people, especially here in Vegas, dude, that have opened up their hype stores mm-hmm. with, you know, the sneakers that they resell, but also like the Supreme, the streetwear and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And they keep it. They keep going. Like, I mean, they, they really have this like constant, like whatever shoe comes out, they have a few pairs of. Yeah. Um, like, I, I guess if somebody was just getting into it, because literally you don't need the personality you can literally start buying shoes that people want Mm -hmm. and reselling it like where would somebody start i think there's a a lot of you got to understand just like in real estate like do you want to be a wholesale do you want to do multi-unit do you want to do short term do you want to do tiny houses do you want to do you want to just be the agent you want to be the this like you got to figure out what you want to be in the shoe space because there's so many different type of resellers or you could be the middleman or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, so I think it's like really understanding like what types of uh, people you could be. And they all there, have their own pros and cons. Everybody. Like right? if I'm a middleman, I don't have to worry about selling the shoe. And managing just, the store and doing all this oh, stuff. Yeah. Like, I could just all you sell it to a store owner Yep. and I'll, I'll lose a little bit, but like I, I don't have to try and sell it. Way less stress. Yeah. Well, potentially way less stress off of that, right? right. There's a lot of different things. Um, but then it's like, well, if I want to scale more, maybe I can't because I'm at the you know, mercy of somebody else's success and all the things. But I think uh, understanding like what type of place you want to be in, even when it comes to like, say you did open a store, first you should start with like an Instagram page or something like that. Something that's like free mm-hmm. and obtainable quick, right? Because you can start a page. Now you got to establish like credibility, which is the hard part, but you got to go to like all the events. You need to meet the people and get in the scene. Just which like I you love said. that you said you do. You go Like to- I met you when I first started, I started YouTube yeah. and I went to that event. Yeah. I paid that thousand dollars to get in. Yeah. I wasn't even ready to pay the $1,000, wow. but I was like, I bought the ticket three days before the event happened. And I was like, I'm going because I'm committed to this thing. And that's another thing. You got to commit to whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to that, yeah, pull up to the events, go to SneakerCon, go to the local events, go to every single sneaker store, learn the game, and even see if you can work at those stores and learn the back end. And because when you do that, you start building relationships. Sometimes they have inventory that they don't want. Or you might be able to sell to a different audience. Yeah. So when you do that, you can help out the store in a different way and provide value. And then that'll build up your credibility by using leverage from somebody else's success. And then now you can branch off and do your own thing, which you see a lot with a lot of people, right? Yeah. They go work with somebody else. They build it up. They establish their name. And now they have the opportunity to go build something on their own. Dude, that's really good. I had, I literally have a friend who's, I think he's 44 and last year made an extra 60 or 70K extra mm-hmm. profit by buying and reselling shoes. Dope. I would say he was using bots. Ah, the but, bots. <laughs> hey, I was like, honestly, respect the hustle. Like, yeah, I don't know. yeah. But like, when let's talk about bots. Like, I know there's like kind of a newer wave. Maybe it's getting old, but like, it's not, I mean, it's obviously still working mm-hmm. and people are finding and paying the, the fee to have a bot so it secures the shoe, making it really hard to actually, for a guy like me who's like, man, I would love that shoe again because it's re-releasing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, I'm not going to pay resale for that. I think the biggest yeah, the biggest thing was like, like you said earlier, you used to be able to go out and earn it. You could sit in line, get your shoe, and then that's when you say, okay, how many hours am I waiting in line? Is it worth the time based off the profit of the shoe if I were to sell it? Like, I'm here for eight hours. Like, should I be doing this or not? And uh, with the bots, like, you just sit at home and push the button, right? But you still got to pay for it and all that stuff. For me, I never messed with bots before. Um, I know there was hot, it was a hot thing a few years ago. Like, everybody was on their bot stuff. But... uh. Some people are still having success with it now. I think it's like kind of unfair, but at the same time, like 
you do what you do. Yeah, like, I can't, can't even knock it. it. Like, it's a part of the game. Yeah. Like, you need that to fuel something else, to drive people to do things. Like, it's literally like that in every market. So, to me, I'm like, I can't even be mad at it. But I don't partake in it. The the sneaker resell, like, I think it's a, I don't know, there, there is an article or a stat there where, like, the resell industry mm-hmm. makes more money than the retail industry. Yeah, it's crazy. That is so crazy. And it's growing fast. It sucks, though, because, like, you got so many people that are coming in that, like, truly don't care about the culture. Right. And then we're losing our, like, I don't know, identity or whatever, but we're, like, losing our way. Like, we don't have um, any sense of, like, respecting the game, the style. And it's not like our way was right. It's just what we had always known for so many years. So, like, maybe this is a new wave. But at the same time, like, it has eliminated so many people that, like, care about what they're copying and, like, have a story behind it and everything. Like, it's more fun when you go out and wait out for a pair of shoes and you got that story and you rock it with pride and everything. Yeah. Compared to just, like, oh, I just got this on the internet. Right. I paid resale. And now I'm, I'm, I fit in with everybody else. Like, it don't hit the same. You know right. what I'm saying? At least to me. No, that's 100. How I feel. So, you know, it's a new era. But for me, I'm, like, as a creator, I'm, like, I want to keep that. I don't know if it's nostalgia or whatever keep that OG mindset, giving it to the new people in the game. Because I realize a lot of my audience is, like, people that started in the first couple of years. Like, I got a lot of OGs, but the majority of my audience, like, I think it's, like, almost 70% of my audience is within their first two years of collecting shoes. So I'm like, let me guide you the right way. Let me show you. Buy what you like. Do this. And you can still make money. You can still do these things. Um, so that way you don't kind of like lose your you know, really lose cool. your way along the process. No, it's really good. Do you have, like, a, a sucky story? Like, either bought a fake pair of shoes that was expensive or um got ripped i mean there's there's times where like i remember there was one time i bought some shoes for uh, a rapper he was coming to portland this was like a long time ago like 10 years ago my homie hits me up which was kind of like a shaky source but i was like he'd be coming through every now and then so this is probably legit he's like yo he needs these shoes it was like the joker 28s like an ugly jordan model like <laughs> nobody wants those yeah. like and I'm like, the dude wants to wear these. It goes with his outfit. He's trying to wear them tonight on the stage. I'm like, what size? He's like, oh, a 13. I'm like, oh, I'm a 13. Perfect. But I'm like, I don't have that shoe. I got a different color of that model. He's like, no, he wants this color. I'm like, okay. There's like one store in the city that I think might have them. So I go to the resale shop. They have them there. Shoe's like 450 bucks, and which is like way overpriced. But I'm like, oh, I'll just pay it and just charge them like 500 and I'll just go deliver them. I get the shoes, and then right when I get the shoes, I call them. No response, no response, no response. The concert's tonight. I'm like, bro, what's going on? Because typically, like, I get shoes for artists. I go drop them off. They'll give me, like, some passes, and I'll, like, go yeah. to the concert, and we'll be like, hey, we're you good. You make a like, vlog, throw it up on YouTube? Yeah, like, like whatever. Views. Well, back then, I wasn't even vlogging, so it's oh, like, wow. that's what made me start YouTube because I had all these stories that, like, right. people that know me, they knew what's up. But then, like, if I told some stories, they'd be like, people wouldn't believe it. I'm like, no, this is a part of my lifestyle, like, from a young age. But, yeah, so that one sucked because I was like, what do I do? These shoes are terrible. They're ugly. Like, I don't even want these. I ended up actually giving them away, like, way later. I had held them for, like, two years just to, like, have it as a sob story. And then I just gave the shoes away. That's crazy. My sucky story is Yeezy, Nike Air Yeezys 2. Okay. Won the raffle at Foot Locker. Okay. Went in, bought them. And they were $240 with tax. Um, and then I put it on eBay for about 1600 bucks. That's how much they were selling for. Mm. And I was just trying to like, bro, if I can move it for that much profit, I'm going to do it. Right. 
And it was one of my first sales on eBay, so I didn't even understand how eBay works. But you could buy something on eBay or hit the buy button and not follow through on PayPal, but it takes the listing down. Oh. And the guy said, hey, the money's not going to go through on PayPal until you sh- put the tracking number. And then <laughs> legit sent the shoes without actually seeing the money. Right. And the, the shoes just gone. Gone. Ah, classic rookie mistake classic rookie mistake (laughs) now they're worth like thirteen thousand dollars or something like that that's crazy worn like i could have enjoyed them well i talked to virgil at complex con Uh and they were like uh this is 2017 when the off-white air force one came out and um they were like oh you want a pair and i was like oh yeah i'll grab them later um i want to go get these undefeated air max 97s because those was like the hot shoe at the moment and i'm like it's a fat line over here but i could have easily grabbed the forces Retail's like 160 bucks or something. I'm like, oh, I'll just come back and grab them. So I come back later, and then it's like R.I.P. Kobe and Virgil. Him and Kendrick Lamar is pulling up. So now it's like this fat line of people. And I'm like, yo, I want to grab those forces. They're like, we got too many people. It wouldn't be fair if you cut. Like, sorry. And I'm like, oh, it's all good. And then now that shoe is like $10,000. And I'm like, Shoot. what was I thinking? I should have just grabbed it. Dude, I've got a few. <laughs> I've gotten a very lucky. I won Turtle Doves in 2015 Fire. Uh, You know, as a raffle. I've also run one uh, the off white ones. Okay, and I sold them for nine hundred bucks <laughs> a year after enjoying them. If this is on podcast audio, just know that my my bones are creaking know, right now. I know. So nine hundred bucks. I used that money to buy a pair of Gucci loafers, <laughs> 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 and now those shoes are worth about thirteen, fourteen thousand dollars. That's crazy. And I also the reason why I sold them is I saw a photo on Instagram that scared me, uh-huh. and it was like the toe box was scraped. Because it was exposed cotton. Oh, yeah, And I was yeah. like, dude, I'm not going to wear these shoes right. and, like, you know, risk that. So I'm just going to get rid of them, whatever. <laughs> and it's just crazy that, like, a collabed version of a original shoe, mm-hmm. the market value would go so insane rather than, like, the original actual pair from 1985. I don't know. It still messes with me. Yeah. But, like, just, yeah, I've taken a good fair share of L's. And that's what okay. I specialize in. That's what I specialize in on my channel, too, is, like, really teaching people the history and understanding why things have value. Yeah. I'm not saying, it, it again, somebody could justify why or why it doesn't have value, right? It's their yeah. choice. But I say, hey, these are the reasons why people decide to value these things at these prices, basically. Like, right. this series of events based off of this color, whatever it may be, the story behind it, the limited factor, you name it. There's so many different elements. But... That's what I really like to teach people about the shoe. It's like, not only are you just buying some dope shoe, like, why are you buying it? Why do you even like this in the first place? Like, right. So I really like teaching people about that type of stuff. So, like, I've seen, I would say since 2015, it was like Yeezy's crazy hype. And then the the it was almost like the, the Jordan 1s kind of came around because of, I think, Virgil, like, kind of resurged that. Um, and then it hit dunks. And then it was like Jordan 1, 2 with Travis Scott. Now, like, I look at a pair of Yeezys now, and I'm just like, I would never. It's right. weird. Yeah. Like, what is, like, right now at the time of filming and recording this is, mm-hmm. like, the shoes that are either on the come up or, like, these are the hot thing right now? Um. Well, we've seen the New Balances because of Taylor Swift, right? That's been a huge thing with her and the NFL. Which, which, which New Balances? Uh, I don't remember the numbers. Okay. Uh, I'm not really the, I don't. Is it the one that looked like basket, old school kinda, basketball Kind of, yeah. The low top ones? Yeah. Um. So, like, New Balances have already had their little wave, like, last summer and everything. But that kind of, like, had a quick spike right now because of it. So, it's got a lot of people buying it. But I think the next shoe on the market, like, a lot of people are getting down. They're kind of done with, like, Jordan 1s, 4s, and Dunks. Right. And the Sambas. Like, have you been noticing yeah. a little bit more people have been rocking But those that? are, like, general release, easy to grab. But that's the thing. 
that's how everybody used to say the same thing about dunks. Yeah. And they used to say the same thing about all white Air Force Ones. Dang. And now look at they're selling out and they're reselling for multiple, right? So the Sambas um have been that new shoe that's kind of been coming into people's style. Yep. And if you start looking on the internet, you'll start seeing more people's rocking, especially like the more influential type of creators. I got a feeling by spring, summer, next year, like a lot more people is going to be rocking that type of shoe because they want to switch it up. They say, oh, they want to be diverse. They want to have a different brand. Right. So I would look out for the Sambas for sure. I think I actually have like a trend setting projection that Adidas will make its back next year mm-hmm. because number one, Jerry Lorenzo is going to be starting to drop stuff. Yeah. And and even like the silhouettes of clothing they're starting to drop is like it seems pretty high end. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at Dick Sporting Goods the other day and I like it caught my eye. Mm-hmm. I was like, dude, the the cuts of these it, it's like essentials. Mm-hmm. It, it's almost like they're getting influenced. So I feel like Adidas will probably make like for sure a resurgence. But it's just funny how it all works. Like I, like I'm just so fascinated at our eyes and what we like at certain time periods. Yeah. And that, like, at one point, the Yeezys just had something. I don't know the way it looked on us. And now I, like, see it at the airport. I'm like, that dude's a lame, bro. Right, 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 but right. No, I mean, to each his own. Everybody has their own taste. Yeah. And it's cool. But, um, dude, that's really cool. What would you, what would be your, like, top three favorite shoes or what you would call grails? For me? Yeah. Um, the infrared sixes is my, like, all-time favorite shoe. Okay, what's cool about that shoe, number one, is it is a fire shoe. Yeah. But what's crazy about it is the Varsity Reds that came out in 2012. Oh, yeah, with the, the quality was just so much better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when the 2016, I think it was, it, or 2014. Oh, those were terrible. It was I like know. pink. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. That's what, like, always gets me. I'm like, I'm looking for these details. Like, that's why I love the remastered stuff. But, <laughs> yeah. like, Infrared 6 is all day, for sure. Yeah, Infrared 6, um, for me, I'm a heavy Jordan guy. Yeah, 100. But uh, I think... I don't know. There's so many different... There's, again, you could categorize it in so many different ways. I think for me personally, I would say infrared six. I'll go probably bread 11s, playoff 11s, whichever color you'd like to consider it, black and red bottom. Um, and then a good pair of Chicago ones. Like, those are like the top three. Yeah. Uh, you can never go wrong never with Never go wrong. I literally, like, over time, have uh, readjusted my collection, and I sold off all my Jordans last year. Okay. And all I had were, like, game-worn colorways because I... like. <sighs> it was like a cool little collection. You had that last dance effect. You saw that money. Yeah, no, like, let me go ahead and sell that real quick. <laughs> uh, that was part of it. And then there was another part of it that was like, I don't want, I just, like, I have these moments where I'm like, I don't want, like, me to idolize these things right now. Like, I, yeah. I feel like if I sell them, it'll do something in my spirit to, like, I can get them back again. I'll buy them. Uh, you know, like, when, when that sure. happens. And um, long story short, yeah, like, I'm down to one pair and it's Jordan 1. Chicago's. I mean, again, though, that's the best part. Like, that shoe is amazing. Yeah. It looks great fresh. It looks great beat up. Like, it's, you're going to get your money's worth over time. Like, they're going to keep going up in value as a new pair and everything. So that's the part I love. Like, you buy a shoe, use it, and then the dead stock, the new version, you know, continues to rise. Yeah. It allows you to balance out even if you wear it. And you're like, man, I could still sell this shoe for $700 worn, like, it's three crazy. years later. Like, right. It's like you watches, dude. Yeah. You can't get, like, a used car and do that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's hard. Unless right. you buy it at the dealer's auction, get a discount on it, and then sell it, like, 100. which is what I used to do. That's how I made a lot of money. I used to sell cars, too. Dude, you just love them. buying and reselling stuff. All the stuff. Yeah. I'm with all that. Um, I don't know. Would you want to go into the personal brand conversation first or the real estate conversation first? Up to you, big dog. I want to talk about both, though. Let's go personal brand. Right. So, like, straight up, if you go online and you, if you're if you're anywhere or involved with this culture mm-hmm. or sphere or industry, 
you come up as just one of the top personal brands. Mm -hmm. And I want to pull out some principles from how you've been able to do that in a fairly short amount of time. Would you say like, yeah. would you say like what? 2020, 20? 2020 was my first like full year. Full year. I came in 20, October 2019. It was like when I was like, I'm about to try to do okay, this. Yes. Yeah. So There's like start posting content yep. and like. You have uh, a few hundred thousand subscribers on YouTube, mm -hmm. uh, over 100K on Instagram. Mm -hmm. How much on TikTok? Uh, three something. And I'm, I just started Snapchat. I'm at like 60 something thousand already on there. Dang, that's fire. I've been hearing so, about Snapchat. Yeah. Um, but I like you've been be able to build like a very well-known personal brand, which I know has afforded you a lot of opportunity. Mm -hmm. Like you say, shoes are coming to you now. You mm -hmm. don't have to go looking for them. But like, like what would you say is like the first thing you feel like you like got the bug and went into practice on like, okay, I'm just going to start making videos. I think I remember sitting down with my dad when I was in college playing football and he was like, you are a brand. Like everything you do is representing your family. It's representing your own brand. It's representing all that stuff. And you got to carry yourself to a standard that you want to really be living at. And if you have goals and expectations of yourself, and you haven't hit those yet, like, you got to carry yourself as you're there already. And then you need to just continue to stay consistent with that. So it's funny, like, even my glasses, like, people used to make fun of my glasses back in the day because nobody wore these type of glasses. Because I've been wearing, I switched them out because I actually broke the other ones. <laughs> but I've been wearing these glasses since, like, 2010, 2011. And it was just, like, a part of my thing. And back then, it was hilarious. Uh -huh, jokes on you. And then now you look, everybody's wearing them. But that was my thing. And I was like... This is a part of my brand. And I had the high top back then when I was playing football. Yeah, had, it was the old like, school look. Yeah. yeah, it was just my thing. Yeah. So I realized like, oh, these little things that identify me when you see me, people can catch me. Like it was crazy during the COVID time. Like I'll be wearing a mask and people still knew who I was. Wow. And you could just see my eyes with a hat, my hair hanging out in the back. Like people could see me from behind and identify me and stuff like that. So I started realizing like, oh yeah, this is very, very important just on like, the consistency of like, uh, what's the dude from Apple when they always talk about how he dressed and everything, and he's like wears the same outfit every day. Well, like I don't Steve know. Jobs. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if you got to wear the same outfit. You don't got to wear the same outfit, but at the same time, like, you know your style, you know your look, right? right? And you build that brand, you build that audience. So for me, that was a big thing, just on the visual side. That's really good. First, there's something to say about that, like, like owning that part of. And maybe you don't know you're creating a brand, but like it is like how you show up consistently that creates it, whether mm -hmm. you do it intentionally or unintentionally. Mm -hmm. Like I almost wore uh, a New York Yankees hat today mm -hmm. and I said, we're shooting a podcast. Right. I'm wearing my, my, my hat. And it's crazy. how like me wearing my hat has made people want to buy my hat. Yep. Like that's the only thing I've, I've never I like I've did one drop. It sold out. And I was like, all right, maybe I'll do it again. People yeah. are waiting for it. But like. There is power in showing up consistently wearing your thing. Uh, Alex Hermosi talks about his hat, acquisition.com. Mm -hmm. It's like literally his website. Mm -hmm. The hat is actually very ugly <laughs> and like says his website on it. It's not even like a logo really. And he dropped his book. And because he threw that on top of his book sale, mm -hmm. if you bought it in the pre-sale. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, I yeah. work out with the hat, you know, yeah. and I feel connected to Alex, you know, yeah. uh, make me like Alex. But right. that's what people want to do is they just want to connect. And that's what the point of building a brand. But shout out to your dad. I feel like your dad has like had a huge influence on your life, obviously. But oh, yeah. just these seeds of like wisdom and their wisdom or their information but you you applying it has become very it becomes wisdom when you apply it. Yeah, my dad was always front end, my mom was back end. I saw them have so much success in so many different arenas. That's so cool. Growing up as a kid, 
and like living in a house with them together. And I'm thankful for every moment of that because I got to see like so many different elements of like being a husband and being a, you know, you know, a brother because my dad got a lot of siblings and stuff, just so many different things. But he ran a lot of businesses that made good money. And I was able to like, he had his proof. So I was like, I would listen to what he would say. It'd be yeah. different if he was like, hey, do these things. And he wasn't doing it himself. Right. So yeah, whenever he would say that or my mom would say that or she'd talk about like, you know, consider this for that or whatever, I would always be listening. Yeah, that's really good. So like, okay, so you you like own the fact that like this is how I am, this is how I look. I'm going to put myself out there like this. Yeah. And then and then what would be like the next step into starting to post content online? Um, I think the next thing is really just figuring out like what do you really care about the most? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people like even when I started, I was trying to make like Casey Neistat style videos and so on and so video, yeah. right? Like everybody does that when they get on the beginning of the journey. But I really started to realize like, no, I'm really good at like breaking down the history of shoes and understanding this stuff because I know this. I know the designers. I know all these people. I've done these things. I have the credibility. Yep. And even if sometimes people devalue themselves and they're like, oh, well, I haven't done enough compared to so-and-so. But it's like, you could say it in your way. Like, mm-hmm. I talk in my way. Yep. I don't care. Like, I see people in the conversation. Oh, you said it. This ain't this, that, that. I'm like, <laughs> bro, I don't care. Like, I'm not talking for you. Ain't I'm talking. Them. Yeah, like, I'm talking how I want to talk because yeah. this is me. So uh, that's a big thing, too, with, like, understanding, like, your style. And when you do that, people start to realize, like, oh, this dude is a regular person. Like, yeah. He talk how he talk. It's normal. He's not trying to, like, be all extra perfect for everybody. Like, they're just being themselves. Yeah, that's fire. You say consistency. The second one, you said care. Mm-hmm. Give me a third C on mm-hmm. building your content empire. Um, uh, man, I'm trying to think. Consistency. You got to be consistent. You bro, charisma, care. bro. You got. The, I got the charisma. Yeah, but like, I mean, it kind of goes back into like being yourself. But like, yeah, you you if you search how to lace up your Air Force Ones, or right. How to, or like the breakdown of like the the Jordans, uh, one through twenty three or right. whatever, you show up. Yeah, and like, I, I I don't know, just the first videos you started posting online on on YouTube and stuff, like they were really good. I appreciate. How, it. how did you How did you get comfortable in front of the camera? Um, well, same thing. I play sports. So I was already used to like that stuff. Like even in high school, like I ran on a track team, like junior Olympics, like did all that stuff. Like, so I've been from being an athlete, you just kind of used to being around a lot of people, being on the news, doing random things like that. Yeah. So I think that kind of helped me out. And then I'm like kind of a character a little bit. So I'll be just out there having fun. But I think once, I think about two years in, of recording YouTube videos is when I really like truly unlocked like being way more comfortable on camera. Some people might have said, "I think two years after posting videos on YouTube is when I actually got bro." People quit after three uploads. Yeah, no, it took like I was consistently making progress, but like about two years in, my wife, my family, the people that like I care about their opinion. They were like, you're getting more comfortable. We're starting to see you yeah. in the videos more and more and more. And it don't even have to be like, because some people like let the edit compensate for them being yeah, awkward. Right. I'm like, no, just be you. Right. Right. So, uh, and I could feel it in my delivery, my energy, everything. And I started to see it more and more as the people would write comments and stuff. And they're like, you see that a lot in the videos. I love your energy. You care about so much. And I'm like, because these are the things that I'm like passionate about and I'm bringing it out now. Like it's really unlocking. Like I'm just, 
be forgetting the cameras even on. Yeah, no, like, that's really like, cool. We're just gonna talk mess. And it's like the the yeah the care fuels your charisma because because people sense that. Mm-hmm. That's why like if you're if you're doing it for money, it usually it's hard to to, to communicate that mm-hmm. or be uh, pure in your approach. Mm-hmm. But that's really tight, dude. You you there's a huge opportunity. I feel like you can tap into, but because you're so passionate about it, and I feel like you could you can steer the ship like a faceless YouTube channel mm-hmm. that breaks down the history of a shoe mm-hmm. that you, you don't like, I don't know if you know about you, you know, have you been hearing about faceless YouTube channels? Yeah. Yeah. So like, I'll have a horror story for that. Oh, I bought yeah. one and lost the money. Well, that's, yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah. How much was it? 10,000. Don't say the name. What? Of you, the channel? Was it a person that was geared like, it was spearheading? a faceless channel. No, but like, did, did a person like steer you to buy that channel or like, did you, because there's guys that are selling this as a business. You like right. buy their program. They go find that channel and they say, oh, hey, no, 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 okay, no. It was, just, all it was just like this dude said he knew me from back home. Okay. And he told my friend and my friend was like, he's a YouTuber as well. He's got like a million or something like that on YouTube. And he was like, oh, let's uh, like let's start buying channels. And I'm like, bro, this is great. Like I started un- like learning about buying channels. And me, I'm like, I'm willing to try it. Because yeah. I don't want to like live life and then be like, dang, I shouldn't have tried. Sure. I should have tried it. Like, why not? I'd rather lose money and then no, right. than not. So I was like, okay, I could lose 10000 Like, F it. Let's do it. So we have the meeting. We talk about it. And then he's like, oh, yeah, we're going to do this. We buy the channel um, together. And then we get access to the channel. You know, you get the rights to the yeah. channel. And then he just logs you in. Now you're the owner of it, all the stuff, right? So we get the channel. They're supposed to work. Um, to recoup our money from the cash flow from the channel. And then once it breaks back even, then it goes back to us. And then we find the the group to do the content for like the scripting yeah, and all sure. that stuff. So they're basically going to like keep us rolling and we just buy right into it. Like already operating business. And then we bought it. And then the next, like there was like two videos went up and we're like, there's videos that's supposed to be going up like every day. Yeah. And then a month later, we like lost access and we're like, what's going on? And then we talked to the guy and he's like, uh, I don't know, cause he was the one that was like brokering the deal. Okay, and then next thing you know, he's like ghosting us, and Dang. we're like, oh, okay, one of those guys, huh? And then we just been like hitting him up, and then the other guys like trying to do illegal and all those stuff, and I'm like, oh, whatever, like I'm already over it, but no, I've lost more money on other stuff. That sucks. So. Yeah, no, but like I wouldn't say just start from scratch. Yeah, just do your own thing, like because. That is very like the idea and the topics would would crush. Yeah. Like I just even like how you could talk about the samba and like you know, the history of it and why it's actually resurged and all mm-hmm. that stuff. You know, Taylor Swift is the reason. You know, like all this stuff is like actually uh, is interesting. Yeah. Like Nolan on the Think Team, he started a basketball faceless channel, mm. and he had like a twenty thousand dollar month his like fifth month. Really? Yeah, because That's he fire. just he had two videos kind of you know pop off. Granted. It, he hasn't been able to like have a month like that again, but mm-hmm. like he's, he loves the sport and he, he can, you know, uh, facilitate that. And because you know, YouTube, I just feel like you could, you could tap into that. Definitely. But, yeah. No, no, that's, that, yeah, that's a good idea. So, so you, you, the way you approach content, I think like it's, it's actually not as common because you under, I think you understood business and entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and you saw the opportunity of investing in creating content mm-hmm. and how that could work. I would say a lot of people that go to like vid summit, they, they, they see content as the business. They're mm-hmm. not really entrepreneurs. They're like artists right. and they will obsess over these like nuanced metrics. And, um, and I don't know, like I, I gravitate toward 
teaching entrepreneurs because you don't have to build large, large audiences mm-hmm. to make a lot of money. Um, how would you encourage like an entrepreneur who's thinking about starting to create content and uh, they're just like, number one, like, you know, they, they're getting in the way of themselves. Right. Uh, they don't like how they look and sound on camera. They don't even know where to start as far as like posting, like what the heck do I post? What would you say, generally speaking? Well, I think if you're truly making something that's like typically businesses are to help people with something, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's like making it faster, or easier to apply something or 100. whatever, whether it's a physical or digital thing, right? So I think you have to understand what is the biggest purpose out of all this? Like, what are you truly doing this for? What is your business seeking out to do? So for me, I'm here to help people turn their hobby to a hustle, turn their sneaker passion into a profit. Like, you know, all the catchy (laughs) lines, right? But that's what I really want to do. I want to be able to teach. Originally, the vision was like, I want to be able to teach my young 16-year-old self that didn't have a big brother the same process in the game and show them how to level up and invest in the sneakers and then go buy real estate and go do different things and invest in other stuff. Um, So once I saw that and I knew I was passionate about what I was doing, it made it so much easier for me to go in and be like, Oh, yeah, I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And then I didn't worry about the business and building the money and all that stuff because it started to slowly come. Again, like you said, worry about what you're worrying about compared to the money first. Right. So that's what I was always focused on. But then I got to the money side. Once I started making money, I was like, what's the most profitable thing I can create? All this different stuff. And I started losing my track. I was like, okay, I'm going off track. And this past year has been way more about the people because I started to see my impact like how positive it was with mm-hmm. how I was helping people from going to all these events, the meet and greets, different sneaker cons and stuff. Every time I go to sneaker con, I'm taking hundreds of pictures every single day. That's so tight. When I go to these events, the Isn't that whole cool? day. It's that so like, dope. As an entrepreneur, you're a celebrity in an industry, more or less. Yeah. Like it, it blows me away. Like I go to a business conference and it's like people want to take selfies mm-hmm. and even like the like the the reputation uh, the first thing that comes to mind usually is a thank you. Mm-hmm. Like your business served them in some way, shape, or form. It's just like the coolest thing that somebody can build. Right. Yeah. The opportunity. So to when do you it. can see that bigger picture at the end and not just a dollar, yep. like it makes it easier to figure it out and to scale and grow faster. I think that's the biggest thing is just really trying to identify like what's your business plan? What do you really want to do? Who do you want to help? How can you help them? What can you do now? And what do you want to do later? Like mm-hmm. you got the studio, you're growing. Yeah. Who's to say that you're not going to be doing full-time, like, classes every quarter or something, and you right. grow to a bigger space, building a bigger brand, building a bigger impact, and now you got all these people underneath you? Because I want to do the same thing with the sneaker game. Yeah. Like, I want to be able to have a space in Portland where I can bring in all the designers and the VPs and all these people from Nike, Jordan Brand, Adidas, yep. Re- Reebok, you name it. Oh, Reebok's not there, but Under Armour, Doc Martin, you name it. Like, all these headquarters are here. I want to be able to create that same space. And build that new, you know, nucleus of the people that's and all so this cool. stuff. So that's the bigger goal for me. Yeah. I'm not there yet, but that's where I want to be. And I, when I see that, I'm like, oh, I just need to impact more people, keep helping, and just start spreading the message. It's fire. What what Travis Scotts are these? Uh, these are the Black Phantom Travis Scotts. I got these for free. You got them for free? Yeah. How much are they worth? Uh, I don't know. Probably like six, seven hundred. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so you take in your profits that you've made online, Mm -hmm. selling sneakers, all the various things, and you've invested it into real estate. Mm -hmm. And that has been how you've taken your hobby, passion, and and honestly started creating wealth with it. 
Yeah. So uh, yeah, what was that first like? Yeah. So you you bought your first investment property. What was that like? I got out of college, um, and in a thirty day period, I graduated college, went to the regional combine, and bought two houses all in a thirty day window. Snap. So I was stressing about a lot of stuff, but I was like. If this don't work, that's going to work. If that don't work, this going to work. This don't work, that going to work. Like, I always was building up, like, a backup plan. Same thing. Like, I was like, oh, a shoe thing will work if I don't make it to the NFL. Whatever, right? Like, it was always something. So, uh, I bought the two houses. That was in 2017. One was a flip. The other one was just to live in. And then I was like, I just got into it. Like, I was like, let me try both things. I learned about flipping. Me and my dad did it all together. Well, your first flip, what was that like? It was a process. And it was funny because I was building a brand and not even realizing it. I recorded every single... Remember, Snapchat was popping in 2017. Yeah. I recorded every single day. Just so many snaps. Like, everybody was just tuning in. That's wild. Watching everything we did. Like, from the guys working on the roof to us taking the trash out to going to the dump to getting food to going to Home Depot to get the materials to coming back, seeing the inspector there. You name it. Just everything. I was just, like, recording all of it. People watched the whole journey. And I had, every time I would see people, they're like, yo, I'm loving it. Like, you and your dad working together, all this stuff. That's cool. And it was like, we were building this thing without even realizing it. And now I'm like, oh, if we do it again, I know we can turn it into something different. That's why I want to I want to flip, like, apartment complex or something hmm. and just do the whole video process and show people the ins and outs. Because I know way more now with, like, content side. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we were doing that. And uh, I was like, oh, this will be my backup if anything goes wrong. Like, I got a couple of houses. We'll figure it out. And then a couple of years went by. 2019 rolls around. I'm, like, started picking up the camera again. I wanted to start messing with YouTube and just having fun. And then that's when I was like, I want to get serious with it. Like, I want to, like, really be popping. Like, I want that 100K plaque. That was my thing originally. Yeah. Like, I just want the 100K plaque. That was it. And then I went to Vid Summit. I met you. I met a lot of great people there. Uh, y'all helped me. We didn't really know each other that well. I would always hit you up and ask you for questions. I would ask questions. I'm sure most of the questions, uh, I don't know. I feel like, was I asking good questions that weren't already on the channel? Because I feel like sometimes, you know how people ask well, you, you questions? Well, you would ask the question after watching the video, which is good. Yeah, so yeah. there would be sometimes where like I would watch the video and I'm still like not get it or something yeah. and I would ask you a question. And I'm not like trying to respect your time at the same time. So I'm trying to be efficient with my question asking because <laughs> yeah. I know a lot of people just like it's good to ask questions. But I feel like also at the same time, it's like, bro, you got to do a little bit of research before you just go start asking questions. No, to everybody, like, Dude, Loki, I just I had a text back and forth with a guy and I actually have not been I haven't been responding because it's like all his questions are like, do I have videos on this? Like, I understand like we're boys and we're friends, but like I'm not your concierge like, right. respectively. And. How awesome is it that I actually have stuff out there for you to get the answer? Right. And then when you're at, like, at the moment of decision, like, for sure, I'll help you. Uh, anyway, it was kind of like. Yeah, no, it's yeah. tough. But and no, like, you, did, you, you did that well, for sure. So I think that, too, is like when you're in the process of starting and like trying to grow, you got to really understand, like, you got to respect everybody else's time. It's not all revolved around you. Like, mm -hmm. really, nobody cares about you. Facts. Like, they don't. Right. And like, when you're popping, they still don't care about you. They don't care about you. They care about what you can do for them. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, people are like, oh, you got all these followers and stuff. But again, I can walk down the street. Nobody knows who I am. Nobody cares. Like, just because you got popping on the internet, like, right. that don't mean nothing. Like, yeah, that's cool. But, like, don't get too big-headed. <laughs> like, you know what I'm sure. saying? Like, that happens to a lot of creators, too. But be efficient with the questions. Asking them, I would say, is a big thing, too. Just because, yeah, like, go watch the video. Yeah. Like, we we that's what we're trying to do to help. And I'm like, 
that was a big thing. But yeah, you helped me a lot. And you say like my videos are good and everything, but I'm like, that was because I was learning from y'all. I always tell everybody like, when I went to like Think Media or I would literally ask you or whatever, like I'm watching these videos, we would be remodeling houses. Before I started, well, right when I started my, like getting serious about the channel, as I was remodeling houses, everybody knew. As soon as DJ came in, I'm turning the music off mm. and we're learning how to write a better script, make a better video, switch the lighting. That's what's playing on the loudspeaker throughout the whole house while everybody's, while we're working on That's whatever. Wild. Ask my dad. Soon as DJ walk in, we're not here to listen to music. It's not getting us no value. Yeah. Why am I going to be here working on this thing for three hours when I could be learning at the same time? Because I'm just doing like some tedious work that I already know how to do. So yeah. it's not like I need to learn how to put tiles in. Yeah. Like, let me put on something that's going to teach me at the same that's time. really good. So that was a big thing, too, was like overlapping stuff, not being like, oh, I'm busy with this, so I can't do that. Like finding ways to integrate learning other things at the same time to help expedite your process. So like, well, how much did you make on that first flip? Uh, We kept it. So you kept it, and then, um, so now you, what, you're, like, super up? We got, like, two, I think, like, 240 in equity or something like that on it right That's now. That's cool. So it's cool. And, like, how many properties are you at now? Three, and I'm trying to get my fourth. I'm trying to figure out what the next plan is. I have a couple of houses that I'm investing in right now, um, but I don't really count those because they're not, like, I'm not keeping them. They're just, like, some actual flips. Okay. So to me, I just say three still. What, what do you hope to make on every flip? Or like at minimum um, to even go into it. My goal is to be able to keep them. I want to flip them and keep them, and have just increase the equity, refinance it, and then rent it out. And that's my thing because I'm like my grandparents' side. There was a lot of things that were passed down, and I learned that. But on my dad's side, like it's like the beginning of mm. this new cycle. Of yeah, like I feel passing that. things down. So for me and my dad, when we work on stuff, it's like we just want to try to keep everything we that's possibly good. can. Because, like, it's like a pride and joy type thing. We're getting to the point now where it's like maybe we should sell some stuff to be able to get something else. But what, the way the interest rates are, it's, it's like, crazy. how are you going to sell this old rate and get this new rate? Right. Like, <laughs> it kind of don't add up. So that's the other part right now, just in current market. So you're putting these on Airbnbs or are you doing yep. long-term I've been rentals? doing Airbnb since 2017, too. So what's, As soon as I bought my house, I was it was on Airbnb. Did I? Because, like, I'm... I'm a I'm a lame when it comes to this because I I should be tapped into the Airbnb game. Okay. And stuff. Like, how much are you making about a month? So one of the houses, and have you like automated the process and stuff? Or we we had it pretty automated, and then our cleaner she started messing up. So okay. me and my wife actually took it over these past like summer since the summer to now, because uh, it's like people stay for a week and it's like okay, how many times do I need to go a month? Like it's not too bad, sure. or we'll pay somebody else. Uh, but that house usually the we actually were just going over this the other night. All the payments and everything are like thirty two hundred bucks, and then the Airbnb we usually get anywhere from like fifty five hundred to sixty five hundred bucks a month, depending on like the occupancy. So there's like good cash flow in that. Um, but you got to put it in a little bit of work. Sure. Well, we do it's at not least. Complete. It's as, not passive. Yeah. Um, but I think with a lot of real estate, like people are like, oh, they want passive income. And it's yeah. like, nah, bro, you got to still pay attention to your stuff. Like you can't just let it rot away and somebody just be like, oh, I got it under control. Yeah. Have you heard of like, um, what is it called? It's called corporate, well, it's arbitrage. There's Airbnb arbitrage, mm-hmm. but there's also like renting out your Airbnb properties to corporations. Have you heard of that? To like a house? Yeah. Um, well, like no. a business will actually rent it out for a month. And like, if you only get so many of those a year, mm-hmm. they usually will rent it out every every year around right. this time. Right. Um, something I'm kind of like learning about okay. because being in Vegas, there's 
every convention or conference comes to Vegas, right. but even like training. So like it, it is a world like where you don't have to worry about like, you know, consumer Airbnb people. It's just, you're working with B2B essentially. Mm, okay. It's just the opportunity. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then everybody like, you know, the one that everybody always says, you could do the nursing thing. You could do this. Like yeah. everybody always says it, but it's like, who's actually doing it? Like show me the, you know, Facts. like there are some people that are doing it, but that, that happens in all things too. Right. People's like, Oh, these are all the options. But it's like, okay, now show me about somebody who's actually doing it. How much cash do you feel like you would, a, a beginner would need to get started doing like an Airbnb? Or I would say, I guess you say you buy it, you buy a house, you, you, you flip the interior, you mm-hmm. increase the value all by itself, but then you use it to Airbnb. So like, so Seems if like you do if you maybe. do the arbitrage way, which is like basically you're renting the space out for whatever it is, and then you got to pay for like furnishing it too, unless you get a place a place that's already furnished. Um, depending on the area, first and last, next thing you know, you're like ten fifteen thousand dollars for that. I'm assuming. Yeah. And then that'll get you rolling, and you'll start probably profiting like within your third month or something, getting your money back, and then from there you're pretty much cash flowing if you get it in the right spot and all the different things. Um, but then it's like you can look at the same thing. Like, oh, I don't know. It all is relative to area, right, right. where everybody lives at. Uh, but you could put potentially, you know, fifteen twenty thousand dollars down on a house, and do like a conventional loan and do something like that and get into it and live in it and then rent part of it out just to cover your mortgage and or like say your mortgage is two thousand dollars and you're like, oh, I'm renting out one of the rooms. And I'm making an extra fifteen hundred bucks a month now. My my life expenses is five hundred dollars on my house. Sorry. Like that's still a good play. Yeah. Like you know, if you're willing to do that, and they you know they got the burr method, all the different things that everybody likes to do. So I think it's all again based off of your situation and what's best for you. So like like we were talking about earlier, there's so many different options when it comes to like types of ways to sell shoes. Yeah, there's so many different ways to start in the Airbnb. You got to listen and hear all the different options. And then figure out which one aligns best with you and what your what your situation is in life, whether you can find a partner to give you the cash and say, hey, I'll make you X amount over time or whatever. But then if you're a rookie, it's like you don't want to go mess it up. Right. right. So you got to know how well do you like how well do you know the game before you get into it? So mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of different elements to each person's success when it comes to that part, too. So like. Yeah, because I would imagine like the way you're doing it is you would just need a lot, of, especially to renovate it and stuff. Uh but how has that helped your taxes? Or do you, like, are you dialed in with your tax? Or is that a, is my that guy My guy over here is going to be on my head because he always be like, pay the taxes, just do it, do it that way. And I'll be, like, writing everything off. That was always my thing for a long time. So now I'm actually switching a lot of stuff up. I'm not going to be writing off as much. I pay more cash for things because of that. Yeah. Because when you just pay the taxes, then you get more opportunity for better loans and all the different things. Right. But then to me, in my head, I'm always like, the money has to go somewhere. Right. Whether it goes to you paying the taxes or you paying more for the to down. get the next yeah. loan on a down payment right. or paying down your debt or whatever. Like at the end of the day, you got to get some cash. It's got to go somewhere. That's yeah. all I always think. So again, which method works best for you? Yeah. But I'm, but I just learned I'm working the, the, to switch it up a little bit. The game to like you get an investment property, mm-hmm. it, it stings because of like the down payment, but it's an investment property. Right. And, so it's good for that and year. And then you yeah. can take that like cost seg depreciation mm-hmm. in the first year you have it or whatever. I don't know. I'm still learning the game too. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But this is how I'm learning the, the wealthy get wealthier, you know, right. and, and not necessarily quote unquote avoid taxes, but minimize uh, just literally sending the IRS yeah. all this money. Right. Yeah. Not for sure. Yeah, and then that's what I've been learning too about like selling properties now, because uh-huh. you can sell 
and get after you stay there. I think it's for one year. I don't know. It might be two. But you could sell a house, still make two hundred fifty thousand, not have to pay the taxes. Yep, and roll it and be good. So I'm like, oh, okay. And then now, what you you married to? Like that's five hundred thousand. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah. So like, oh, we can make some plays. So it's interesting learning that part too. Yeah, dude, fire, dude, you are brilliant, and I think it's just really cool how you've gone about just the inception of taking something you enjoy doing and like making that you know, your, like your livelihood that you mm-hmm. get to, like you enjoy life. It's fulfilled. You're maybe not, you know, multi, multi, multi-millionaire. Oh, it's coming though. It's coming. I feel it. And, uh, what, like, like how much people would you say, are you paying contract wise or like on my team? Yeah. Um, man, I'll pay probably like 1500 bucks a month. Yeah. No, I'm trying to think. Right. Keep maybe it lean. Less. Yeah. Yeah. It might be less than that. That's wild. Yeah. I got an editor and assistant who runs my back end. So I have a full, uh, like a course, a program. Yeah, plug email. it away. We'll post links to in the description. Yeah, Hobby to Hustle things. program. Uh, Hobby to Hustle. And uh, we call it the Six Figure Sneakerhead. We want people to come in and be able to learn the whole game. So it's like an eight-week program. Uh, that's what I started a while ago. And I did the launch um, on there. And it was it, it did well. And then we turned it into a monthly thing because we really wanted to build a community. So I give away free shoes every single month. We have right. live stream meetups every month. There's challenges that we do to keep each other accountable. We got a fantasy football thing going on within our community. That's cool. How much people do you have in the community? Uh, we got about a hundred people in there. Tight. I don't. It's hard because like people want to make a bunch of money off of that, like the passive money through having a community. But I'm like, I don't want to lose the community mm-hmm. by having too many people in there. I and it's that. hard to like me to connect with everybody. Yep. So it's almost like a. No, yeah, you're in a situation. I would say if that is self-defined uh, desire for you, mm-hmm. that you want to maintain quality of connection, mm-hmm. then you have to increase the prices and cap it. Yeah. And, uh, and then start a wait list yeah. you know, or something like that. That's kind of where where things have been at. Some people are like, because, you know, you see a lot of people are like, oh, I got 6,000 people in my community. Da, da. I'm like, yeah, great. You're making a lot of money each month. But I'm like. <laughs> There's no way you're connecting with 6,000 people, like, in that type of way. Yeah. Like, yeah, you built the digital stuff and everything. But in my mind, I'm like, I still want to be able to, like, truly help these people because it's dope. Like, in the community, I've helped people, like, find loans, figure out ways to remodel their property for a better way. Like, stuff outside of sneakers. Because I'm like, yes, technically it's around sneakers. But I'm teaching you to hustle the game. And then in our meetings, ask me about whatever. Like, I'll get, I'll put you in contact with whoever I know. That's really cool. And because of that, there's also the same thing. Like, people want, like, their dream shoe. I'm like, well, I know so-and-so with the store. So, like, let's work out a trade. I'll hook you up. Like, I'll be the middleman. I won't charge you. I'll make a YouTube video for me out of it or something like that. Yeah. And now I'm, like, helping people get their dream shoes. I'm helping people with all these things. So, for me, it's dope. Like, watching people, like, flip houses and get advice and checking in with the community and everything. Dope. And people are inside. They're like, oh, this is way more than sneakers. That's so, fire. I love it. So you tap into what he's got going on, dude. I appreciate you coming yeah. to Vegas and connecting. Um, but yeah, you can follow him. We'll put links down to everything. I appreciate you being on. For sure. Appreciate it, bro.